Hello and welcome to the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for people who want to improve their English by listening to native speakers talking about different subjects and at the same time learn about life in this country. Uh, I'm joined today by John and Sheena. Hi, John. How are you? I'm not bad, Mark. Yeah, good. That's great. Sheena? Yeah, fine. Thank you. Nice to see you both. That's great. Um, we should explain to people that we're doing all this online these days. When we first started the podcast, we used to record it together in a room. But of course, as with so many things these days, we're doing it uh, virtually. Um, so the quality of the sound is not always quite as good as we'd like it to be, but it seems to people seem to manage. So today we're going to talk about something called the census. And we're doing this because last Sunday, the 21st of March, so we're recording this the Friday after that. But last Sunday, the 21st of March was Census Day in England and Wales. And so the census is something that happens every 10 years and it's to collect information about the people who are in England and Wales on that day. And it is actually compulsory to complete this. So if you are in England and Wales or if you were in England and Wales on the 21st of March, then by law, you must complete the census and you can be fined if you don't uh, and we'll give you some information at the end in terms of if if you haven't done your census and you are in England or Wales at the moment about how you can get help with that so don't worry too much about that but it is important you do have to complete it but we're going to start with a bit of history about the census uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the, the the one that's taking place at the moment. So, John, you, you're going to take us right back, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe the most famous census that, that people will have heard of um, was the one that took place 2000 years ago, um, which features in the nativity story. So if you remember, um, Joseph uh, and Mary were going from Nazareth to Bethlehem before Jesus was born. And the reason that they were making this journey, the Gospel of Luke tells us this, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus, the Roman emperor, that all the world should be registered. So Joseph were going back to the place of his birth or where his family were from, Bethlehem, to register for the Roman authorities with his family. And the Romans did this right across the, the huge expanse of their empire so that they knew exactly who they were governing, how many people in each province, and probably most importantly, how much tax they were all going to pay to the Roman emperor. Um, so that's a theme that we've seen through many other censuses uh, coming forward through history. Mm. In terms of uh, UK history, arguably the, the most famous census would be contained in what was became known as the Doomsday Book. Now, if some of our listeners might remember when we talked a few podcasts ago about the Norman Conquest. So when William the Conqueror came from Normandy with his armies uh, and invaded England famously in 1066. Well, 20 years later, William was establishing his rule. Um, and William, similarly to the Roman emperor, 
sent his men all over England into every shire to find out how much land there was, how much cattle and sheep and animals were living on the land, how much tax was due from each person living on that land. Um, moving forward, the first modern census um, took place in 1801. So as Mark pointed out, the census takes place every 10 years. So we're now in 2021. So the census always has uh, a one on the end of the year. So this census took place in 1801 in the middle of what we refer to as the Napoleonic Wars. So these were the wars that the UK were fighting against France after the French Revolution. Um, it puts, at that time, interestingly, the population of England and Wales at 8.9 million, Scotland at 1.6 million, Ireland wasn't included until 1821. So you can see there the huge population growth that we're going to see through the Industrial Revolution. Uh, this census, as with other censuses, looked at the numbers of people, uh, numbers of families, numbers of houses, but very, very importantly, it a key point was your occupation. So the government wanted to know if you were a sailor, if you were a soldier, a shipbuilder, a carpenter, so that they could utilize these people to fight the war against France. Uh, the other very important part of the census was that at this time, a lot of people were following the ideas of a man called Thomas Malthus. Uh, Thomas Malthus was very worried about the rapidly expanding population. And he thought that this was gonna outstrip the amount of food that we had in England and that people were going to starve. So it was very important in monitoring the population growth in, re in re uh, relation to agriculture and how we were going to feed all these, these new people that were coming along. And as you say, it's taken place every 10 years since with the exception of 1921 in Ireland due to the Irish war uh, and in 1941 during World War II, there wasn't a census. But um, going forward, every 10 years into the 20th century have been hugely important in policy around health and housing. But there's been still some controversies moving forward in the 20th century. Sheena, I think, are you going to tell us a little bit about the census of 1911, I think? It's to do with, with women and the census. So the Women's Freedom League launched a campaign to boycott the census because they, they, women had no right to vote at that time. Their slogan was, no vote, no census. So they encouraged women to either not be at home on the night of the census by moving around or by hiding somewhere outside the household. Um, many women actually ruined their census paper as well by writing that slogan, no vote, no census. And I know for a fact that some women in Halifax also used the census form as a form of protest and they wrote down under occupation, slave, <laughs> because they um, wanted to make a point about, you know, the status of women in society. And maybe one very famous suffragette called Emily Wilding Davidson, who we know because she was actually killed at the races when she threw herself under the king's horse um she on the day of the census hid in a cupboard in parliament <laughs> so that on her census paper she could write down her address as house of commons 
Was their way of using the sensors as a protest? So there's actually a plaque commemorating uh, inside the cupboard in the House of Commons, isn't there? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know that, yeah, John, the, but that's a, really interesting. Tony Benn, a Labour MP who's, who's recently passed away, he put the plaque inside there, inside the broom cupboard in the House of Commons, yeah. So what are the controversies more recently, Sheena? The census changes, doesn't it? The idea is that everybody answers the same questions, but they can't ask the same questions now as they did 100 years ago. So again, to do with women, really, one in, in 1971 and the 1981 census, as I presume it was under occupation, there was the, the choice of the, of the occupation of being a housewife, which suggests the wife is married to the house and that that wasn't looked on very favourably, really. So that was actually changed. So by um, 1990, it was replaced with looking after home or family. So a change of wording, but also to, to, to show that there's an understanding that, that that phrase was no longer acceptable. And this year, there's been, for the first time, a question about um, gender identity. Every adult over 16 could specify their own gender identity. And the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, said, says that was so that they could see the extent and the nature of the disadvantage faced by the LBGT plus community. The other thing that's new about this year's census is that it is done online for the first time. So all these other censuses we were talking about were written on. They were they were paper based in some form or other for the first time this year. Uh, it You have to complete it online, although there is support available if you uh, don't have access to uh, to the Internet. And maybe just to say a little bit more about how it's likely to be used. I mean, this is important for a whole number of different reasons for for the government, the data about how many people there are in different parts of the country of different ages, different genders actually does feed into policy. It feeds into decisions that are made um, about uh, housing, about uh, taxation, all, all sorts of decisions by government. It's used a lot by researchers. Universities use uh, the census information to uh, track what's changed over the years. At a personal level, my wife Janice is really interested in researching our family, the, our family history, and she uses the old census information to find out about where uh, her relatives were, um, what occupations they had, where they were living, how many children they had, and so on. And there's a lot of information that can be can be gathered that way. Yeah, I think that's a that's well, an important point in in regards to the actual data, isn't it, Mark? There's a thing called they call data sets. So that's you know how many people live in overcrowded houses, what the levels of education are in Halifax, or what people's religion are across Yorkshire. They, that data is released to policymakers, social scientists, but what's called the micro data, so the specific things about your house and your life, Sheena or Mark, 
they are not released for 100 years. We can now look at the 1921 census uh, and look at what an individual person did for a job or where they lived or what they earned, but we can't look at personal information from recent years. I, I think the um, results are not out yet from the 1921 census. I think there's been a delay. Yeah. So I imagine Janice and other local historians <laughs> are really waiting anxiously to get their hands, you know, on, on this data. Yeah. That yeah, well you're absolutely right. You're right about that. You're, you're definitely right about that. But I know that's important what you said there, John, to reassure people. Yeah. That uh, that this is that the inf information that you're putting on there is confidential to you for a hundred years and will not be released. Nobody else will be able to access the personal information you put on. It will be put together. We say aggregated in order to collect and that kind of information will be made available, but not the individual personal one. I said at the beginning that it was compulsory that you had to do this by law. There is help available. So if you haven't completed yours, then there is a phone number you can call for help. So that is 0800 I think you can also go on the government website. And there is actually a specific support as well for people whose English is not good enough to be able to understand the questions that are being asked. So there is a free language helpline where I think you can get um, uh, translations, um, uh, people who will help you, depending on what language is your first language. And that number is 0800 For anybody, If anybody's listening to this and they are interested in, in looking into it in a bit, little bit more detail, uh, the website I found the most useful is um, a gentleman called Danny Dawling. Uh, he's an Oxford professor, um, but he writes it in very accessible language uh, and he explains some really, really interesting things about the census, about homelessness, um, about um, inequalities across the UK. Um, and one of the things he's argued for is that we'll probably need another census in five years because we're going to see so many people potentially leaving the country due to Brexit, going back to Europe, where they may have come from. Uh, COVID, obviously, we're going to see really big changes, demographic changes over the next couple of years. What's that website address, it's John? It's dannydarling.org. So that's D-A-N-N-Y-D-O-R-L-I-N-G.org. Okay, Sheena, you were going to say something about the impact, the potential impact of the of the COVID pandemic. A few weeks ago, I read so, and I read an article about people asking for another census and saying that because of COVID, uh, a lot of young people, like students or, or even people who don't want to be on their own during lockdown, have moved back home. So the information about households won't be totally accurate. And the other the other thing I'd heard was that there is some discussion about whether there will even be another census, because the argument is that actually a lot of this information can now be collected in other ways because of the Internet's ability to collect data in a whole range of ways. Whenever we engage with local government or central government, then information is being collected and it may be 
that the government feels it can get enough information from other sources without having to do this exercise, which does cost, you know, it's a significant sum of money involved in actually doing the census. And maybe we may not need it. I think that would be sad because I like the idea that you've got a regular 10 year uh, survey and certainly Janice will be very upset if they stop doing the census because she wants her her relatives in the future to be able to look back back and find out about her. I think it would be a great loss to to stop doing the census. So let's hope it doesn't happen. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some of the words from the episode and talk about them. So today I'm going to talk about a number of different ways of talking about something we call obligation. So an obligation is something you have to do. And there are lots of different ways of talking about that in the English language. In this episode... This came up because we said that the census was something that you have to do. So there's one form. We said the census is compulsory. So there you're using the verb to be with compulsory as an adjective. You can say it is an obligation to complete the census. It is a requirement. And also you can add to that a legal requirement. So something you have to do by law. So those are a number of ways that you can talk about it. But there are two key verbs. One of them I've already used is to have to. And we said in the episode, you have to complete the census. So that is using the verb to have, but with to, to have to, and that's an obligation. And that verb takes its usual different forms, so you have to, she has to, and in the past, they had to. So that's the form of that verb. And then there is the verb must. And that's a special verb. It's one of the verbs we call a modal verb. So we said in the episode, by law, you must complete the, sentence, the census. You must complete the census. So must doesn't change. It only has that one form for all uh, uses of that uh, verb. And it's always linked to another verb, so must complete, must do. Then there are the negative versions of those things. So obviously you can say it is not compulsory, it is not an obligation, it is not a requirement. And you can use negative, the negative with uh, the verb have to. So you, you can say, you do not have to do your homework this week. She 
does not have to go to school today. Now those have their usual abbreviations. So you could say, you don't have to. She doesn't have to. And then there's the negative of must. But this is rather different because this is a negative obligation. So it's something you must not do. So, for example, you could say you must not smoke in this building. Or you could say she must not drop litter in this area. And those have their abbreviations as well. So you can say mustn't, you mustn't smoke, she mustn't drop litter. I hope that's helpful. Uh, that's it for this week. If you want more information about the transcript for this episode and all our others, and you want to find out how to make contact with us via our email address and our website, then stay listening for that information. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and we will be with you again very soon. find the transcript, that's the written version of this episode, on our website www.staugustinecentrehalifax.org.uk and that's where you can also find links to all the other episodes and the transcripts so you can listen and read along at the same time. That's also where you can find out how to donate to help our work. We are a charity supporting particularly refugees, asylum seekers and migrants but also all those in need in our local area and uh, we would welcome your support if you felt able to give it. If you follow on the website the links to get involved and donate. We also have an email address that's English for Life in the UK at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you, your thoughts on our podcast and ideas for the future. We also have a Twitter account at Esol Saint, and there is additional material on that site. I'll spell out all those addresses. So the website www.staugustinecentrehalifax.org.uk so that's the website. The email is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com and that's English for spelt F O R. 
And finally, the Twitter account is at capital E S O L capital S A I N T.